Hi, uh, this is Peggy Bryson calling. I just uh, noticed in Facebook a dollar more broadcast against the president. Please tell him to be stop being a shithead and uh, listen to everything that he has to say before he criticizes anybody. He's just a jackass. The following broadcast may contain free thinking and open-minded discussion, ideas, skepticism, and adult subject matter. Topics will be discussed using adult language, sometimes gratuitously. Get ready to move the conversation forward. This ain't your granddad's news and comment show. This is I Doubt It with Dalamore. Everybody, welcome to the show. Thank you for joining us. Episode 679 of I Doubt It with Dollamore. I am your host, Jesse Dollamore, joined by the lovely, that talented, that scholarly, Brittany Page, everybody. Well, it is time for celebration, right? You were talking about all the stickers, all the, 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 the Patreon stickers that we mailed? Well, we can celebrate that for sure. That is a very celebratory occasion. I think... <laughs> Around 40 envelopes went out, yeah. somewhere around there. And by, by the way, before we get to whatever the celebration is that I don't think was that, um, when you get your sticker, take a little, take a little photo of where it ends up and tweet it at us or mm-hmm. put it on the Facebook page or let us know somehow. Yeah. Where, where it ends up. Well, it's always, it's always interesting to look at where the stickers are going to end up. Yeah. Uh, we have some stickers on their way to Malta, which I didn't even know where that was. I had to Google it. So did I. I found where it was. Yeah. I thought, I didn't know that it was an island. Mm-hmm. I thought it was, uh, yeah, dumb. I'm dumb. But pretty fucking awesome. Australia, West Virginia, yeah, yeah. a lot of stickers going to Texas. And when I say this is where the stickers going, what I'm really saying is we have listeners there <laughs> who are supporting us. Yeah. And we We're just randomly mailing it. We're we're just sticking stickers in an envelope, <laughs> addressing it West Virginia yeah. and sending it it's on its way. Yes. Um <laughs> but it's really cool to look at the list of of where the supporters are and it really is all over the globe. So it's, yeah, it's yeah. really exciting to be able to see where the support is coming from. And we just really appreciate you guys. But you're right that that was not the celebration I was talking about. Although we can give ourselves some credit for being really productive. What I was talking about was <laughs> uh, it's June. And June oh, is yeah. the Jesse and Brittany birthday month. Yes. We both have our birthdays this month. and The 21st. And the 27th. And some people say you shouldn't get excited about your birthday once you're past five. (laughs) But I disagree. I disagree with that. I think it's always time to be excited about your birthday and continuing to be alive. Well, we're in in an odd situation this year because usually we like to take a little trip or a weekend or do something. Yeah. And that looks like it's not in the cards. Yeah. This year. I know. People keep reaching out to me. They're like, so what have you been up to? I'm like, yeah, I'm still following a strict quarantine, so I don't really do a whole lot. I'm doing the same thing that you should be doing if you're not already. Well, and yeah, but, you know, people 
anyway, no, it's, just so, me. it's just me who jumps at the chance to judge. Is that what you're saying? No, I'm just, <laughs> I think, I think some people, because they don't live here, think they don't. Anyway, I don't want to get into it. So it, it is, the point is people keep saying, what exciting things are you up to? And I have to keep saying nothing exciting is happening here. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, even, even on the, on the birthday front, like even, I can't even see us like going out to like a birthday dinner. Uh, well, I that just, sucks. I would, that would, uh, there's no way I'd be able to do that. Well, and it's a bummer because we do love the foods and we love to go out to eat and the foods and the drinks. And we can't do that because yeah. we feel very uncomfortable with it right now. Now things may change, but we just nope. had, we had, um, one of the highest, numbers of cases yeah. here the, two days ago it was 300 cases and like nine deaths because 60,000 people per weekend are going to the Newport Beach right here well and that was 11 days after the Memorial Day weekend yeah. happened so it's it's still a little hairy around here I would say I would say that is correct. Yeah. Anyway, mm-hmm. not to bum everybody out. Yeah. Well, after we were trying all, to be uplifting. It's the birthday yeah, month. Yeah, sometimes, you know, <laughs> shit, much like a bad attitude, kind of rolls downhill. And once well, you get rolling, it's hard to hard to stop. The, okay. The momentum gets going. That's right. Anyway. That's true. So, I think we should just jump into some listener communication. I think we should do it. I... <laughs> <laughs> no, and listen, I appreciate you being affirming of the things that I announce on the program. I I am glad you appreciate that. <laughs> you really should. Anyway, last time on the show, we talked about Drew Brees and his... The sports player. He is a sports player, indeed. <laughs> uh, and he, he indicated that I will never agree with disrespecting the flag by taking a knee, which, of course, is not disrespecting the flag. It is a a, a a legitimate form of silent, peaceful protest. It was also Colin Kaepernick used to, I believe, sit. That's right. And then he spoke to a veteran, I believe, yeah. who said, hey, it would be better if you... Uh, if you knelt. Yeah, showing reverence. Right. And so he actually took advice. Was it from a veteran? Yeah. Or, yeah, yeah. yeah. And so he actually took the advice. Like from a former Army Ranger or Navy SEAL who was like a special operator who played in the NFL. Right. Yeah. To do the thing that was more respectful. That's exactly right. Yeah. So we talked about this and Laura Ingram was our asshole of today with her hypocrisy that shut up and dribble. To, to black athletes, and then, well, he's a person. He has value. He has worth. Drew Brees, this white guy, let him say what he wants to say. He has that right. But then black players, it's, hey, shut the fuck up and dribble your basketball. Anyway, that's enough of a synopsis. We got some calls on it. Hey, guys, it's Carissa. Um, I just wanted to make a comment about Drew Brees. Like, I don't, I don't give a shit about football or anything. Um, but that guy's a fucking douchebag. I don't care if he apologized, which was a shitty apology anyway. But, um, you know, so he literally gives more of a fuck about a piece of fabric than human beings' lives. And okay, so his grandparents fought in war. Well, so did mine. But did he? Does he even know what they fucking fought for? Anyway, I didn't finish listening to the rest of the episode. I just got to that part and got so irritated. So you guys might have actually made this point, but um, just wanted to chime in. Um, I love the show. Brittany's the best part. Bye. 
Love the show. Brittany's the best part. Oh, gee, Brittany's the best part. Mm, Carissa. Yep. yep. And, and listen, I've seen a lot of arguments from people about this Drew Brees thing that are, well, he, you know, he's entitled to his opinion, all of that. And all of that, of course, is true. Of course, that's true. But the thing for me is that this isn't just the guy gets sprung on him and he didn't have a chance to really analyze the issue. We've been dealing with this particular issue and especially in the NFL for how long now? Mm-hmm. So, so speaking to her, not taking his apology very seriously, I don't either. Yeah. It seems to me that he has his idea pretty well cemented. He didn't all of a sudden come to some new positions in, in some weird epiphany. Can we also, enough with the, he's entitled to his own opinion? Like, Yes. Yeah, no one killed him for his opinion. He didn't get hung in the public square. He's fine, right? He's still a multi-multi-millionaire. The, the, you're not immune from criticism, right? And, yeah. and for some reason, people like conflate criticism with censorship, right? I mean, Drew Brees is not being censored. There's no censorship involved there. At all. He's being criticized for that opinion. And that's how this works, right? You have an opinion. Someone doesn't like it. They give their opinion. And we go back and forth and have a discourse. Like, that's the whole point. But uh, Trump wasn't very happy with Drew Brees for apologizing. Of course not. He actually tweeted. um, No, I was going to say, I saw a tweet even from Dave Rubin. Like, oh, you made a big mistake, bro. Okay. (laughs) Interesting. Interesting. Trump said, quote, I am a big fan of Drew Brees. I think he's truly one of the greatest quarterbacks, but he should not have taken back his original stance on honoring our magnificent American flag. Old glory, in caps, Mm. is to be revered, cherished, and flown high. We should be standing up straight and tall, ideally with a salute or a hand on heart. There are other things you can protest, but not our great flag. No kneeling. Uh, All caps. I think, I don't think that argument's going to carry weight for, I mean, obviously for some people, it's going to carry weight. It's going to be, oh yeah, no kneeling, no flag protesting. They're going to be your element out there that do that. I think those days have largely passed, especially after what has transpired in the wake of of George Floyd's death and the subsequent protests. Mm-hmm. I think people are putting two and two together. Yeah. Finally. Yeah. Uh, thank you for the call, Carissa. We, we love you. We appreciate you very much. Uh, next up, same topic. Hey, guys. This is uh, Kel from Kansas. Uh, I was just listening to 678, and I was listening to the asshole of today, Lori. And... It kind of got me thinking, you know, I was talking about Drew Brees and how her comments differed on hypocrisy uh, between LeBron James having an opinion, Kevin Durant having an opinion about uh, what's going on with Drew Brees and how her opinion is so different. Well, I was just curious, uh, if you think the NFL should and or would directly issue Colin Kaepernick an apology and... Uh, the reason why I ask that is because the NFL and Roger Goodell have recently just come out and given an apology to all the players and to all of the people uh, who were protesting and he apologized for not listening and not being more empathetic to their cause at the time. Well, the spearhead of that cause was Colin Kaepernick. Uh, he really was the one who brought it 
to the light of most people, especially in the NFL, the forefront. So I was just curious if you think that the NFL, specifically Roger Goodell, because he is pretty much the representation of the NFL, should or would issue Colin Kaepernick an apology. So I was just curious to see what you guys thought about that. Love the show. Uh, the protests are the best part because I really believe change is happening and, and uh, I think we've got to keep up the good fight. And you and Brittany are, are really a good moral compass to stand behind and follow. So uh, be good, be safe, wash your hands, and have a good day. <laughs> I'm going to use some hand sanitizer right now. Absolutely. And you are. Well, look at that. You you really are. So, <laughs> it's right here on the table. <laughs> yeah. So apparently the, the, the studio is Never so <laughs> rife with germs and disease that we have a giant tub of hand sanitizer. You know what? As soon as there's a reminder, here I go. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway, thanks for the call. All of that is very, um, I mean, to say it's current, obviously it's fucking current, but it, it, it is it is strange that Roger Goodell, not strange at all, in fact, it's it's sickeningly predictable that even now the NFL is like, uh, sorry, we didn't listen to the players more. Oh, you mean now that the tide is turned and public opinion is no longer on the side of the decision you made? The bad fucking decision? The obviously bad decision? Now all of a sudden, uh, we should listen more. Right. Yeah, no shit, dickface. No shit. Yeah. I, I don't know a lot about sports as we have established many times on this show but sports I, games yeah the sports <laughs> but yeah i think it would be nice if roger goodell directed an apology to colin kaepernick i i don't know that it matters all that much but i think it would be nice right it would be a nice nice gesture yeah, although it would be fairly meaningless but he was for sure iced out of, yeah. of an NFL career. Yeah, and I mean, it, it might do some good in terms of convincing some of the NFL fans to not be as radical. I don't know, right? I don't know how impervious they are to messages like that. I think it depends on what fan base. You've got more rabid fan bases than that. Like Philly, holy shit, those fuckers are maniacs, you know? Well, you, you don't I, know. I don't yeah, know. You don't know. I don't know, but sure, we'll we'll go with that. They're whipping batteries at people from the stands and shit. Oh, they're, yeah, ouch. they're yikes, <laughs> maniacs. Yeah. So even, but what you said is right. With this, Roger Goodell issuing this statement right now, it's so transparent. Yeah. We know what the motivation is. We know why he's doing it. It is interesting because I'm sure it's going to piss a certain amount of people off. Who? Who will be mad? I don't understand. What do you mean? But I think they're starting to see that there's more of a (laughs) there's more of a risk with not issuing the statement. Yeah, right. Than there is with issuing the statement. Strictly from a capitalism standpoint, strictly from a business uh, standpoint, right? It's you gotta fucking do it. That's why they should have done this. They should have had the courage, moral courage, early, right? And did this two years ago. Anyway. Yeah, so now it looks pretty meaningless. Absolutely. Empty yeah, I gesture. Mean, really, that empty. is what it is. That's that, that's how it comes across. Yeah. It rings empty. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, one more call, and then we're going to move on to other topics. Hey, Jesse and Brittany, this is Brad. <clears throat> um, I just wanted to comment briefly on the Laura Ingram apology, I guess. Um, 
Is that what it was? About the LeBron James and Drew Brees controversy. Uh, so she's trying to justify uh, the differences between her hypocrisy, I guess. Uh, justify her, her her hypocrisy, excuse me, um, because LeBron used a swear word. So I'd like to see, I know we can't uh, project backwards a little bit in reality, but uh, I mean, okay, so let's say LeBron didn't use a swear word and said that Donald Trump doesn't give one iota to the people. Would she still allow him to speak and give his opinion? After all, he is worth something, right? He's worthy. He is a person. Or would she still have come back with the same shut up and dribble? That's what I think. I think, you know, obviously we can't confirm it, but that's just, I think, the way it would have gone. Anyways, uh, I'm rambling. I'll try to keep it short. Excuse me. And uh, you know what? I really got to say this. Brittany's the best part. Love the show. Brittany's the best part. Bye. So I... I'm hoping you, I'm hoping you know what he's talking about about the curse words and all that because I have no idea. Apparently, I don't follow closely enough the the musings of Laura Ingram to know. Well, as I was listening to that, I was googling so because I didn't hear about it either. But yeah. evidently, she did give an update mm. because of the backlash that she received to this controversy. Yeah, yeah. So she gave kind of an overview of her criticism and then an overview of Drew Brees' statement in which he emphasized his veteran grandfathers, uh, civil rights pioneers, his ties to deep Christian faith. Yeah. And then she went on to say, quote, my defense of Brees led to an online chorus of people comparing those comments to previous comments I had made to LeBron James. At the time, James had said that Trump, quote, really doesn't give an F about the people. Well, without dwelling on the nuance between the two instances, let me be very clear about what I believe. We are all children of God, regardless of our racial or political differences, and therefore must be treated equally. Every American, every American has the God-given right to speak his mind on any issue. I think in order to heal and shed light on gross injustices, our country needs more dialogue, not less, and we need more respect, less retribution. I love when they always go there. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. We need more respect yeah, coming need, from Laura Ingram. We need to to <laughs> raise the level of the dialogue. Mm-hmm. Right. Douche chill. Is is she super respectful? Is that what you think of when you think of Laura Ingram? Right. Right. Just deeply respectful. Not a uh, a vitriolic white supremacist on her program each and every night. Well, and they start to say less retribution, right? Because they start getting pushback and they start getting concerned. Yeah. How dare you say Donald Trump doesn't give a fuck? Uh, you're like, oh, that's the president. You need to show more respect for the president, sir. Even though he's a fucking maniac who often, who said, get that son of a bitch off the field. Fire, you're fired. Right. Oh, come on. I'll grab him by the pussy. Let's right. not forget. Yeah, let's not forget. Uh, and Laura Ingram, I'm sure, was deeply upset about yeah, that, right? For sure. That Donald Trump said pussy, right? I- I, I could just imagine when she when she saw the the, the LeBron James saying he doesn't give a fuck. She, mm-hmm. Oh, 
I do declare <laughs> I've never heard such coarse language. Yeah. Get the fuck out of here. Yeah. God damn. Yeah. So she went on, but we don't need to get into Please all of it. Please do because, not. Please. Because there is no point. But yeah. yes, we we understand that Laura Ingram is doing what is so common now, right? When you start to get backlash for the dumb things that you say when you have a platform that she does you backtrack and you try to act like you're in this because you want to support everybody and everyone's a child of God and we need more respect. Even though every single night on her Fox News program, she does the exact opposite of all that and marginalizes and creates further division and is not respectful. No. We'll just say that. But she's her deeply held Christian beliefs as though Christians... Throughout history, just, ah, uh, we're completely indemnified from any charge of white supremacy or racism. I mean, look at the South. During the, 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 fr- from slavery on. Well, yeah, th- th- those people were all just atheists who were systematically oppressing hundreds of thousands, if millions of black Americans. No, they were, they must have been atheists. George mm-hmm. Wallace, famous, famous atheist. Uh, anyway. Again, we're done with fucking Laura Ingram. Um, I think we've got some emails that we should probably get to before my head explodes. Hey, Paige and Dollamore. I don't know if I have a unique perspective on racism and prejudice, but it's not a common one. I grew up in a small town in Ontario, Canada that happens to be a drop off for the Underground Railroad. Yes, that one. I'm mixed race, parenthetically white mother, black father. Very few people have ever guessed that by looking at me. I'm blonde and blue-eyed, but I can grow a mean afro. As a kid, I heard the older folks calling me the white-skinned black boy. Over 53 years, I've had a lot of experiences with racism because white people just assume I'm one of them. After listening to your podcast 678 with the conversation about overcoming biases, I thought a lot about mine. This is what I've discovered about myself. My prejudices tend to be toward older white dudes. Usually they wear leather vests or cowboy boots or something with camouflage. They tend to be the people who will, just in the middle of a conversation, say some sort of racist or bigoted bullshit. It could be about anyone, any creed or religion, not just my family. Usually I just walk away, but sometimes I don't. And when I tell them my story, they say, well, I didn't mean you or something stupid to that effect. The apologies are meaningless and empty. I know this to be true because given enough time, they will do it again. I've come to learn over the years the best thing for my mental well-being is to avoid anyone playing country music. Many times throughout my life, I wished that I looked the way I felt so I didn't have to deal with the asshole racists up close and personal. What I guess I'm saying is that the way I am prejudiced was built over time by life experience, and I don't think I am the one that needs to change. In Canada, I don't see the system holding people down except for our indigenous people, and I see some snail's pace progress in that area. We all have health care regardless of our income, and I think that's a huge equalizer. At least our cops aren't murdering black folks. I'm hoping that George Floyd's death was the last of its kind, and there are systemic changes put in place for racial equality. We are all one. Brittany's the best part. Thank you. That other guy. Love the show. Brittany's the best part. Wow, there's a lot there. Great email. Thank you for writing in. Mm -hmm. I'm, well, one, I think that, um, I I don't think it's a stretch to say that George Floyd's death won't, that that it will be the last. I don't think that is the case. I think there will be more. 
But I do think there has been some kind of a flip switched, a switch flipped, <laughs> um, that people are viewing this differently. And I, I attribute it to the visceral images of the eight minutes and 46 seconds of watching a man be murdered by a team of armed agents of the state. Because that is what happened. People who represent the power structure, who have the authority to detain you at will. Very few restrictions on their behavior. Or very few restrictions that are actually um, followed, enforced. And people watch this seemingly innocuous, you know, tiny armed white guy murder a man while under badge and gun. And I think it fucking rocks some people's worlds. Not just those of us who have a suspicion of police, who have an underlying distrust of the, the, the systemic abuse that they, that they dole out on a daily basis in neighborhoods all across the country. So hopefully we do see some change here and there is some fundamental change that's coming. We just saw a headline just an hour or so ago that the Minneapolis City Council has passed a veto-proof order. Uh, I don't know exactly, I haven't read through it all the way, but it sounds like they're going to dismantle how policing is both funded and run in the city of Minneapolis. And even if the the mayor doesn't like it, he's ass out because it's veto-proof. So we are seeing some, some changes that are coming forward. Thank you again, for your perspective, it is a valuable one. From what I'm reading right now related to that, it seems like the Minneapolis City Council members have announced their intention to make the change. So they have the votes for it to be veto-proof. They haven't gone through the steps to actually vote and initiate anything. Well, this says nine of the council's 12 members appeared at a rally in a city park mm. uh, today and vowed to end policing as the city currently knows it. So back back down what I said a little bit, because <laughs> it's not done, but if they're voicing intent, they're going to be held accountable if they don't follow through with it. So Yeah. And you know what? Th- look, I- I've Brittany and I had a conversation a week ago. And she's like, how long do you think these protests are going to be? We're talking about this. And I was way wrong. You were right about it. You thought they would continue. Mm-hmm. I thought, I, I don't I think Wednesday it's going to start petering out. And not only was I wrong, I was the opposite of what's happening. The crowds have grown. The, the crowds have grown. There's right. more intensity. There's more of a call and a cry right. for justice all across the country and the world, which we're going to get to in Dollamocracy. For sure. Do we have another email? Yes, we do have another email. This one is from Tyrone, and Tyrone sent this message to us before, and then he sent it to us again and was not happy with us because we... We, we didn't read that first We didn't one. acknowledge yeah. it, and here's why we didn't, because it is very... There's a lot of praise for us in here. Yeah. And sometimes we feel uncomfortable 
sitting here reading things that are just praising us, you know? Yeah, it's like we're essing our own Ds over here. Yeah. So, anyway, we're going to read the email because he emailed again and wasn't happy. Yeah, he said, I poured my heart out, so here it is again, and you can tell me to fuck out of here or yeah, something. Th- that, by the way, that was the crux. Is Look, I poured my heart out here. Why are you not acknowledging this email? Yeah, so, so let's read the email. Sorry, Tyrone. We're not dicks. We just were uncomfortable and... You know. Well, and it's not like he needs to feel bad for making us feel uncomfortable. It no, just, no, no, no. I, I it's f- our own issue of yeah. sitting around and reading the praise. You yeah, know what well, I mean? Also, it could be easily perceived as, listen to these fucking people. You yes. know? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Of course you're going to read that email. Yeah. Well, here we go. We're, of course, we're going to read it. <laughs> okay. As I sit here at work on break, I'm watching Jesse's latest YouTube video with that person, Azar. This is why I have decided to give you my money every month. This is why I value you two as much as I do. To be honest, I had completely given up on white people ever understanding what it's like, as much as they can, to be black in this country. I had hardened my heart to white people, and to me, all were racist until otherwise proven. Now I've been forced to reconsider my position. But with that, I'm not all open arms and come on in because I've seen the light. No, I still tread lightly and cautiously because, well, America. You two, Jesse and Brittany, have been a light of hope in a country of harsh darkness, a country that has proven itself hostile to me and those that look like me. I've been black most of my life, and I know a little about being black in a place that will gun me down unarmed, then question why I was even there to catch bullets. Why were you so black and so dangerous in the first place? Then move on to bring up my past in an effort to make it my fault for being gunned down. Anyway, Jesse, your YouTube videos have done more to melt this ice-cold heart of mine than anything I can think of at current. Brittany's own understanding of what it's like to live with less puts her in a unique place to understand what it's like. Yours as well, Jesse. This is where we need to be. Understanding. Plain and simple. The realization that we are more alike than we are different. Jesse's willingness to be open enough to let tears flow and be damned who sees, hears, or knows touched me on more than one occasion. I, too, have let tears flow easily at someone else's misery. Being able to stand where they stand and feel what they must feel. That, to me, is what makes a man a man. Brittany's very dry comebacks and little under-the-breath barbs always make me hit rewind just to hear it again and see myself in those tiny little words. Jesse, you've made me laugh so hard while driving I was probably in danger of killing myself or, God forbid, someone else. I keep my finger on the rewind while listening to you, two. It is truly a joy to get any new material from you all, and I mean a true joy. With that, I'll end this, but please know that you are loved and greatly appreciated by not just me, but all who support you in this time. Stay true, and I'll stay with you. P.S. I would have called, but I hate the sound of my voice in case you decide to play it. <laughs> Welcome to my world, Tyrone. Mm-hmm. That's not true. <laughs> uh, listen, you don't hate the sound of your own voice, is of, what you're saying. Well, it would be hard, it'd be a tough business to be in if I hated the sound of my own voice. I imagine, yes. Yeah, yeah. It, a beautiful, beautiful email. Yeah, and, and there's a lot there. there. I mean, there's tons there that we could address. I think that it is important that we start having conversations one with another, especially when we don't look like one another. We haven't lived the same life. It, it is an awesome thing to reach out beyond your own experience. Why are you grinning and, and nodding your head? Because I have a great way to explain this. All right. We've talked about it before. Go ahead. You know about the apples, right? 
the bad apples and the good apples? No. Oh, what? My my uh, way of explaining this, where I talk about the apples. So I always thought my favorite apple was a Granny Smith apple. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Because that's what I grew up eating. Yeah, that's trash. No, Granny Smith apples are trash All right, apples. relax over there. Relax. <laughs> I don't know why someone has such a strong opinion on Granny Smith apples, but I think it's time to... Pop a loot or something. Um, so, are you encouraging drug use, Brittany Page? Uh, this is out- outrageous. No, I'm not. All right. That's not. What Continue that was. with the apple so, analogy. <laughs> but now, my favorite apple is pink ladies because I've had delicious pink lady apples, and they're the best kind of apple, right? But it, it's a, uh, it's how I, <laughs> it's a dumb way of explaining what you're trying to say, which is we grow up with a very narrow perspective on the world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Only understanding our own personal experiences. And as we grow up and explore other things, the idea is that we have additional experiences that are formative, that that change us in powerful ways. And you see a lot of people who like don't participate in that process, right? And that's part of the problem. We want people who can branch out of their shells, try different things, speak to people, try to get more information about how other people live and what their experiences are, and then change themselves as a result. I think an intellectual curiosity about new information and new experiences is what's key there. Yeah. I also want to highlight a part of Tyrone's email where he talked about this pattern of black people being assumed to be bad or if they do get in trouble why did they resist or they must have been doing something there must have been criminal activity and then he said that they bring up the past in order to make it your fault when you are killed by the police and that's exactly what's happening with george floyd right now with the candace owens video that you did jesse on youtube which was really a great Take down of her. <laughs> I didn't know what I else. I destroyed yeah. her. Uh, but God <laughs> I didn't know what else to say. Um, so well, that's what I used to title the Tommy Laren videos was takedown of oh, Tommy Laren. Yeah, yeah, that's where I'm getting it from. Then so. That's what she tried to do, though. She tried to say, listen, his uh, autopsy report is saying that he was high on fentanyl and meth, maybe. I can't remember what she said. But again, I saw people who are liberal sharing this video. Yeah. And saying she has some good points here. And I'm just sitting there thinking meaningless. How is how is any of what she just said relevant? She went through his his criminal history. She said that he had drugs in his system. And then people were like, yeah, this makes a lot of sense. Uh, No, it doesn't. You can be high on fentanyl and meth and not deserve to be snuffed out in the street by a cop. What are you talking about? Why is everyone losing all sense of reason? Let me even, and I'm not taking issue with your language, but let me even say this. Let me take it a step further. You can deserve to be killed, and a cop doesn't have the right to do it. You fucking conservative wing-wangs. It doesn't fucking matter. A cop chooses to be a cop. And... Fortunately or unfortunately enough for them, they are choosing a job with a strict set of rules of how they are able to behave under the color of law, even while being verbally abused, even while being disrespected and denigrated, like the the New York police uh, commissioner was talking about. Mm -hmm. You chose the job, bro. You don't you don't you're not automatically imbued with respect. Mm-hmm. You have to behave even when abused. Right. And if you don't like it, 
Go fucking find another job. Well, and I know I, t- I talked a little bit about this at my my previous job with the psychiatric hospital and the nonviolent crisis intervention training. Yeah, yeah. There's a specific part of it that I haven't ever talked about on the show. And I was actually directed that I couldn't fight back to hurt a patient unless I was starting to go unconscious. Yeah. When you feel the life start fading from your eyes right. and you see that long tunnel of light, right. then all of a sudden... Hopefully, if you're not too unconscious, then you can fight back. Right. That's that's seriously what I was told, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and the, the example was if you were being choked, right? Now, the uh, the ideal scenario here is that if that's happening to you, help is on the way. And so you don't need to start fighting back right. and hurt somebody because you, someone will be coming to help you, right? But if nurses are getting this kind of training... If mental health professionals are getting this kind of training, I see where you're going with this. And they are told you cannot hurt people. If someone gets in your face, spits on you, tells you to go fuck yourself, you cannot go down to that level. Your role in dealing with hostile people, violent people, is to de escalate that situation using these techniques, right? Yes. So do that. So if people in other public service area jobs are required, to to behave like this why are cops not also required right de-escalation should be your first second third fourth fifth course of action Mm -hmm. and that's just not the way it is it's Mm -hmm. all too many times you get a trigger happy motherfucker who just wants to ah mixing it up in the action Ah, fuck Mm -hmm. calm it down Mm mm-hmm Anyway, we're screaming at the wind here. It reminds me of, I used to want to be a cop. That's what I wanted to do when I was young. I wanted to be a cop. And when I was 16, I went to a week-long post-academy training in Meridian, Idaho. And I did, like, cop training exercises. It was like a little window into what you would go through if you were to become a cop, right? Yeah, like a boot camp light for kids who want to be cops. Yeah, except for it was just one week rather than, like, the two weeks that it takes to become a cop. So... (laughs) I <laughs> It was like 15 minutes instead of 20 minutes that the cops have to actually go through. Yeah, and there was this one where you were doing like a video game simulation and you had to talk to the screen in front of you. You had to give it give it prompts and there was like a scenario happening in front of you with characters and it was really real and you had to talk to the screen as though you were actually interacting with someone. A suspect. Yeah, and you had a gun on you. And a you, fake gun. A fake gun. And you had to navigate. Well, I said it's a video game. And you had to navigate this scenario uh, with the person. So mine was a domestic violence call. And there was a domestic violence situation happening in the house. And the it was a female male. The male walked out of the house. And he had a knife in his hand. And he was coming toward me. And I kept telling him to, to put the <laughs> knife down. And he was talking to me. And he was swinging uh, it around. I swinging it. it around in my face. And what would you do, Brittany? I shot him. <laughs> And they stopped the whole simulation. They're like, whoa, whoa, what did you do that for? And I'm like, well, he wouldn't put the knife down. He kept swinging it in my face. I don't know. What what should I have done? Yeah, well, cops should have the wherewithal more than a fucking 15 or 16-year-old kid. Yes. And But that's the thing. They were all high and mighty telling me that I yeah. shouldn't be doing this, doing de-escalation. And so my question is, if that's what I was being taught at the Post Academy when I was 16, why aren't cops being taught that now well they probably are being taught it in some way it's just once they're out on the job it's warrior mode 
it's us against them. Yeah. And I, I think it's helpful to think about that because I think there's so many factors that play a role in what's going wrong. Maybe it's in the training. Maybe it depends on the trainer. But I think part of what you're saying is true that it's also when they get out there. It's like what we're seeing in the streets when you put the riot gear on and you're getting pumped up and they're all you know yeah, ready yeah. to do some damage. Right. That's not your role. You need to slow it down. Yeah. Right. That's not what you're doing when you go out there. So I think there's so many different factors that play a role in this problem that we're seeing. For sure. With the police. So thank you, Tyrone, for yes, the beautiful, beautiful email. We're sorry much. <laughs> that we uh, we put it off. It's our own issues. For sure. Yeah. All right. Moving on. Sorry, I'm an idiot. I just called in and accidentally called Brittany Brandy <laughs> and then uh, kind of got sidetracked. So, yeah, the General Mattis thing. Where, where the fuck was this guy? Years ago. I mean, so I'm going to pause before he gets into the, 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 the general Mattis thing. <laughs> so we get a voicemail. Uh-huh. I'm not going to play it because it's just, just brief. He's like, yeah, so I'm with, I'm with Brandy on this, this Mattis <laughs> thing. And then it stops and you can tell the, the, the gears are turning. He's like, yeah. oh shit. What the fuck? It didn't say anything. And then it's silence. And then he called back. So mm-hmm. now, now continuing on. With General Mattis. You don't mind, do you, Brandy? I don't. I mean, Trump didn't just now become an idiot. You know, Mattis knew this guy was a dipshit when he was in, when he was his boy. And now it's like, you know, he does this thing with the military police and whoever else he got involved in clearing Lafayette Park. And now it's an issue. Where the hell were you at, bud? I mean, it's been three years. And another kind of related thing, The Rock. Have you seen The Rock's video on Instagram? He's all about where are you and all this vague remarks about Trump and shit. And, you know, there's so many of these people. It's like, goddamn, where the fuck are you, The Rock? Come on, The Rock, run for president, right? (laughs) Mattis, run for president. Oprah, for Christ's sakes, run for president. Do I think any of these people would be good at it? No, they don't got to be. They could pick one of any of the 20 candidates we had for uh, the Democratic primary as VP and let them do the work as far as I'm concerned. But would The Rock win in a landslide against Trump, Mattis, Oprah, any of these fuckers? Sure. Where the hell are they at? Where are you, The Rock? Anyways, just thought I'd uh, let that off my chest, and that's probably why I got uh, fucked up and called Brittany Brandy. My bad. Uh, John in Kansas. Thanks. Bye. I've been called worse, John. You could be called The Rock, because it sounds like you really has got a problem with The Fucking Rock. I don't know, John. I, you may want to slow it down with your problems with The Rock. I he think... doesn't seem like a very nice guy when it comes down to it. No? I just, he seems like he's a, a big guy. That's what I mean. I think he could whip some ass, is I think, what I'm saying. I think he's changed. He's like Prince. He's always ever evolving with the name. I think he's Dwayne The Rock Johnson now. Hmm. It's like a slow fade out of The Rock. Yeah. What, what do you mean it's like Prince? Was Prince changing his name? Well, no, we, had, you know, we went to the symbol because he had the legal f- feud with Sony. Oh. And then because they had rights to like his name, they said. So he's like, fuck you. I won't even go by that. I anymore. feel like a better example is P. Diddy or Diddy. Yeah. Way better example. Yeah. Yeah. Because he was Puff Daddy. Right. What is he now? I think he's Diddy. Just now he's Diddy? I think he's Diddy. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Yeah, John from Kansas, fucking hating on The Rock. I don't know. <laughs> well, and I think that people can get a little 
irritated with celebrities jumping on the bandwagon when they've largely been silent before yeah. being sus- suspicious of the motives and i think that's okay yeah, I, I get it I, let me just say this to, to step on you it is like uh what's her name the the tall blonde T- taylor swift mm-hmm. fuck <laughs> taylor swift uh, has just really started coming out and being very open and vocal against trump yeah and it is kind of a deal. It's easy to say, yeah, where the fuck were you? But if that's not your lane, and that's not what you do, yeah, I don't, I don't really fault anybody. But I will say this, I'm glad they're here now. Right. And this doesn't, for celebrities, I have a different standard than for people like uh, Scaramucci. Mm-hmm. And even maybe a little bit for, for, for Jim Mattis. Maybe a little bit. Well, especially if, with the distinction that you're drawing. If these celebrities have never been politically active before, the, but then you're drawing comparisons to Scaramucci and Mattis, who were in, in the it. Trump administration. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. come on now. They're yeah. actually the people who should be coming out and saying, dear God, what I saw in there is not good. Yeah. You, you know? Yeah. But for, for, for Mattis, though, General Mattis, it, I... I and I don't know. Maybe it's my bias because he is a, 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 a venerated United States Marine uh, commander and warrior. Mm-hmm. So maybe there is a little bit of that there, a little bias coming in. But mm-hmm. I think he did, for one, took the job because he thinks he thought he could do some good at pushing back and slowing the pace toward any damage that Donald Trump would do. And he did it until he couldn't do it anymore. And when he left, he made some very pointed criticisms in his res- resignation letter. And now that he's criticizing, it's a lot more in your fucking face. Mm-hmm. Just really with no no holds barred. Yeah. So, I don't know. Maybe it's my bias, but I am I give a little bit of leeway there on that side of things. John, thank you for the call. We appreciate it. Um, moving on. Support for I Doubt It With Dollamore comes from generous, engaged, intelligent, and good-looking listeners like you. By way of Patreon. Your support on Patreon for as little as a dollar a month helps keep the show going and move the conversation forward one podcast at a time. If you would like to join the ever-growing family of supporters, please visit patreon.com slash I doubt it with Dollamore. We would like to thank Donna. Donna. Holly. Holly. Irving. Irving. Bradley. Bradley. And we would also like to thank Grace. Grace. For more than doubling the pledge situation. The pledge situation. And we would like to thank <laughs> Kim. Kim. For doubling the pledge. Very nice. Very beautiful. Fantastic. We appreciate each and every one of you who support us on Patreon, who support us by donating on PayPal, who support us by shopping through the Amazon, dollamore.com slash Amazon link. Just be aware that you are going to assist Jeff Bezos in becoming a trillionaire. Okay? By if, 2026, if, apparently. If you use that link. So just a little informed consent there. We would also like to thank each and every one of you just for listening to the show. That's a huge support. Yeah, and yeah. sharing the show with a friend, liking the links on the Facebook page, sharing the links from the Facebook page. It's probably the most important Support is listening to the show. Absolutely. And interacting with the show. Make sure that you create a contact in your phone for I Doubt It with Dollamore, 657-464-7609, and I doubt it at dollamore.com. That way you can just fire off a uh, email or voicemail whenever the spirit moves you. Yes. Mm-hmm. You know the spirit. Yeah. That moves you. Mm-hmm. 
Good times. Yeah. All right. Now, before we get to Dollamocracy, we've been talking a lot about police, obviously. It's something that we're going to continue to do. And there's some statistics that I think are interesting. They're interesting enough to talk about because uh, they open up a window into kind of what's going on in policing. Yeah. So Perry Bacon Jr., one of my favorite writers over at 538.com, wrote an article, and the title is How the Police See Issues of Race and Policing. And I thought a lot of these stats that he cites are are pretty interesting and also get to the heart of what we're seeing with the protests versus the police. So according to what he summarizes here, Perry Bacon Jr. says, quote, most police officers diverge from the protesters on the issues underlying these high profile killings. 80% of police officers said the country does not need to make more changes to ensure that black Americans have equal rights with white Americans. And this is according to a 2016 Pew survey. That's much higher than the share of Americans overall who held that view, which was 48%. So you're talking 80% of police officers versus 48% of Americans overall holding this view. That the country does not need to make more changes to ensure. Things are good the way they are. Not just good. Things are perfect the way they are. They are they are free from need of change. That's saying something. And and it's also radical how fucking wrong they are. That 80% of cops surveyed held this view. That's wacky to me. Yeah, and Perry Bacon Jr. continues, he said, survey results from the 2014 corporate congressional election study suggest that white police officers in particular are less likely than white Americans overall to think that the lingering effects of slavery and current racial discrimination make it harder for black Americans to succeed. They are more likely to agree with the idea that, quote, blacks should work their way up without special favors. So, yeah. These are things. This is kind of what I'm talking about last time on the show when I said it's important for cops to have more of a social work education put into their program so that they can understand the different factors that go into people's lives, right? Yeah. I'm just, I'm struck by the alignment, the parallels to some of the language that's being used in this that. That that black it's 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 aligned for me like even with the the LGBT movement that hmm. that Christians and and people who are opposed to to equality in that in that way would say, well they don't need special rights they should have the same rights as everybody else but not special rights and then they would be talking about marriage as a special right and then the language that was just used there with the cops was special favors. For black citizens. I think what you mean is fucking equality. I think that's what you mean, cop. Anyway. Well, thank you for highlighting that. And I I think that's an important point for sure. I also want to talk a little bit about what Perry Bacon Jr. references here related to the police support of Trump. So about 60% of white men have voted for the Republican Party in recent elections. So he extrapolates that it's likely that America's police officers have long leaned toward the GOP. Sure. He specifically backs this up by saying the Fraternal Order of Police, the largest police union in the nation, actually endorsed to Donald Trump in 2016, uh-huh. and they haven't endorsed a Democratic presidential nominee since Bill Clinton in 1996. They 
decided not to endorse either Barack Obama or Mitt Romney in 2012. So if the largest police union in the country is endorsing Donald Trump. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It tells you something. That does tell you also, something. Also, the FOP, and, and, and there's a couple other unions, but police unions in general are ardently, wildly, violently opposed to any reforms whatsoever in in how uh, police operate. And that's, that's a problem. Mm-hmm. That's a big, big problem. Well, and I really liked this part, and this will be the last part that I talk about from the article, but I really recommend that people go in and read it and read everything that Perry Bacon Jr. writes because every time he releases an article, I go and read the whole thing because it's important. So he says here, quote, about 88% of local sworn police officers are men compared with around 12% who are women, according to data from the U.S. Department of Justice. And then he says the country overall is about 51% women. Yeah. So you just see how disproportionate the representation is there yeah not represent not representative of all of the population what is it like on race about 72 percent of officers are non-hispanic white about 11 percent are non-hispanic black and about 13 percent are hispanic by comparison about 60 percent of americans overall are non-hispanic white about 13 percent are non-hispanic black and about 18 percent are hispanic so it's getting a little closer but still not representative. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. That's a problem. Well, and the all of these things play a role in what we're seeing right now, right? Whether or not there is representation of different segments of society in race, in political orientation. Yeah. In all of these different things, that's going to play a role in who you have walking the streets and how they interact with people. Because they carry with them all, a, a life's worth of experience. They carry with them a different viewpoint than maybe the partner they're with because they they lived a different life. They saw different things growing up. They interacted with police as they were kids mm-hmm. differently. Right. They've, they've, they've witnessed different things. It's just important. Yeah. Critically important that representation uh, isn't um, not taken at issue. Well, we would love to know what you think about this, 657-464-7609. Of course, you can always email a voice memo from your smartphone to idoubtit at dollamore.com. Dollamocracy, facing down pessimistic politics with realistic optimism. So last time on the show, we didn't get to it, so we had to bump it, but Donald Trump sat down with Sean Spicer, who's now apparently doing a a news program for Newsmax, which is a far, far right wing nutter butter um, outlet. Well, and (laughs) they used to have a magazine. Ah, It's weird. You remember this moment when Sean Spicer was in the press briefing room and Donald Trump was taking questions and he took one from Sean Spicer, but acted like he didn't know him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. You in the back. It was the strangest (laughs) thing that has ever happened. And then Sean Spicer sits down with this interview. And listen, I listened to almost all of it. And you guys better be thankful for this because this was torture. I mean, they <laughs> they may want to consider putting this into the uh, in, uh, interrogation techniques. Right? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it was so... Like loud rock music. This yeah. would be the same way. Oh, my God. It was... How how does Sean Spicer live with himself? I, I don't know. It's a good question. 
because it really is a good question. He's sitting there. <laughs> he's sitting there across from Donald Trump, listening to these rambling, nonsensical word salad responses, and he's sitting there nodding along as though he's talking yeah. to someone who makes complete and total sense and like well, everything just, is normal. He's an obsequious, servile fucking bootlicker. Is what he is. It's it's pretty remarkable to watch. But we we <laughs> highlighted this one specific portion. Where Donald Trump talks about how much he has done for religion. Yeah, but the question, well, I split it up. So I have Trump Spicer question and then Trump Spicer answer. Uh, so here's the question. And also, I want to point out, Donald Trump does not answer the question at all, which being a friend to religion and a deeply religious man would be an easy, beautiful opportunity for him. Because, you know, as, as you know, Christians, they want to tell you about the good news. They want to witness to you about their conversion experience. It's all part of the Christian culture, especially in Donald Trump's flavor of Christianity, which apparently is evangelicalism. But listen to this question, and then we're going to get to the answer. And we walked from the White House, and uh, I think everything was handled very well. I will tell you, religious leaders loved it. Religious leaders thought it was great. They loved it. Since you've been president, have you grown in your faith? Do you pray? Do you pray often? Yeah. You've talked a lot about religion this week. What does it mean yeah. to you? Have you grown in your faith? Do you pray? Do you pray often? What does religion mean to you? Those are the questions. Here is Donald Trump's answer. And really be listening for answers to those questions. <laughs> Since you've been president, have you grown in your faith? Do you pray? Do you pray often? Yeah. You, you've talked a lot about religion this week. What does it mean yeah. to you? So I think maybe I have, from the standpoint that I see so much that I can do, I, I've done so much for religion. The Johnson Amendment getting rid of... I'm pausing it. we got another minute and 46 seconds left. The first thing he says is not what religion has done for him, not what religion means to him, not how much does he pray and how often... He starts talking about everything he's done for religion. Mm -hmm. This is a remarkable fucking moment. And people like this. He's not a Christian. <laughs> they look at Donald Trump as, as this oh shining example of Christianity and a godly man. This is a fucking remarkable <laughs> moment that he doesn't take the opportunity to witness, to talk about his relationship, his personal relationship with Jesus Christ, how much time he spends on his knees in prayer, in reverent prayer. Instead, he fucking says, well, yeah, look at all the, I've look at everything I've done for religion. Well, it's a Bible. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's, it's not my Bible, but it's a Bible. <laughs> Mexico City, nobody thought any of this stuff would happen. Two Supreme Court justices. And by the way, if the other side, and I call him the radical left, because Biden has <laughs> gone way left, but he doesn't know where he is. Mm. But he's surrounded by people that are put there that are serious radical left. You won't have a Second Amendment. You won't have religious <laughs> liberty. You oh. won't have anything. This, I used to say the other election, the last election, 2016, that you were a part of, I used to say that that was the most important election. I think it's superseded now mm. because... They've gone stone cold crazy, and they will do things that you wouldn't believe. And that includes oh. ending your Second Amendment. It includes open borders where everybody pours in. You know, on the wall that you don't hear about anymore, right? You know why you don't hear? Because it's built. 210 miles is already built. No, and we're building the rest. By the end of the year, we'll have close to 400 miles, and shortly 
into next year, we'll have it totally completed. And every mile that we build, you have less and less people. We're setting records for low levels of people coming in. And when they come in, they get taken right out. Nobody's ever had a southern border like what we have right now. It's been actually, it's been an incredible thing. You don't hear about it. The Democrats. <laughs> I got to pause that. Well, let's again remember what the question is. Does he pray? Talk about his faith. Yeah. Right. He didn't answer the question. He still hasn't answered the question. He's just rambling. And Sean Spicer, again, is nodding very seriously like, mm-hmm, this yeah, is yeah, normal. Yeah. This yeah. is a normal response. Everything's <laughs> tracking. Exactly. Perfect. And what he just said about the wall. The border. No one's ever had a southern border. Right. But <laughs> of all the countries in the world, nobody has a southern border as good as ours. Yeah. <laughs> Well, June 4th, which which is after, I believe, this interview aired. Yeah, it would have been, yeah. And the U.S. Customs Border Protection, actually, they're asking for help from contractors because they want the border wall to be uh, not as easy to climb over or cut through. This is June 4th. Yeah, also, I, I think his figures are, they're, well, they're lies. What, what has been completed in those mileages, if those are even accurate at all, is repair on, on existing sections of fencing. Because the, the, the elements, the places where they've actually put up new wall have been dramatic failures, like you're saying. Yeah, and they actually are now moving away from calling it impenetrable. Yeah, of course. Because they're realizing that... It's not the big, beautiful wall that Donald Trump promised. Yeah, this isn't Harry Potter. We're not going to wave a wand and have an indestructible wall up here, right? People actually have to build this thing. Yeah. And so just as recent as June 4th is what I'm saying, they're still complaining that it's being sawed through, it's being climbed over, and here he is sitting across from Sean Spicer getting zero challenge on this issue at all. And then he continues. That's the kind of that's the kind of interview he's he loves that he seeks out. Don't talk about it anymore. But they want open borders. That means drugs. That means human traffickers. That means all of these horrible things. That means people pouring into our country. So the wall has done great. That was very hard to get. I mean, I had a party that was a Democrat party that was so against it. But now you don't hear about it. I think the other reason you don't hear about it is basically they know I'm right. Building a wall, especially once the pandemic came. Because if you look at Tijuana, right on the other side of the border, it's one of the most infected places on Earth. And we have a wall, and it's a good thing that we have a wall. We uh, okay, okay, fucking Rambly McGee. Seriously, the President of the United States of America, who just goes into autopilot mode, where it's just a meandering, freeform stream of consciousness. My favorite part of this, though... And if you can tolerate it and you can watch the video of it, this this part is it's pretty entertaining because when Sean Spicer does initially ask the question about his prayer and about his faith, you can see in Donald Trump's face, he starts pursing his lips. He looks directly into the camera. He knows the pressure is on that he's going to have to say something that's convincing about something that's not true. Which is his faith, which is his prayer life. And he didn't say anything. He said nothing. Instead, he said what he's done. I'm the one who's done so much for religion. What do you mean? What has it done for me? And it's a pattern from people asking him his favorite book in the Bible. And then he's like, I don't know. They're all great. And they're like, okay, well, do you prefer the Old Testament, the New Testament? Listen, the Bible, it's all, it's just great. It's a great book. Yeah, well, probably equal. Yeah. I I prefer them (laughs) equally. God damn. <laughs> Two Corinthians. I mean, the li- it just it goes on and on. And 
you have all the TBN people that believe he is God's chosen yeah, president. Jim Baker, this that other knucklehead lady. Is he out of prison? Yeah, yeah, he's out of. He's the guy who's selling the 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 colloidal silver. And mm-hmm. oh, you meant a joke? That I was, yeah. yeah. Oh, no, I, I appreciated how you were going to give me an education, though. Moving on. <laughs> Are we done? Yeah, well, almost. It's the asshole of today. Acting Homeland Security Secretary? I think Secretary, yeah. Chad Wolf? Yep. And Michael Moore. Yes. Not that Michael Moore. <laughs> no, not that Michael. The the Los Angeles police chief. Yes. So, listen, in the course of talking about reforming the police departments and, and law enforcement in general, it's, it's important that the, the men and women who lead police in our country have a... An accurate and decent understanding of of where they stand in America and how cops are 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 operating, because if if the people if the men and women who lead police and lead law enforcement and rest assured that the home Department of Homeland Security absolutely is law enforcement in this country, if they don't believe there's a problem, how are we going to reform? So we have two clips here. One is from the acting Homeland Security from today, from Sunday, with Martha Raddatz, where he just denies that, no, there's no systemic racism in policing in the United States. And then maybe the most outrageous fucking thing I've ever heard from a cop uh, that happened last week from Michael Moore. Let's start with uh, the Homeland Security acting secretary. And Mr. Secretary, George Floyd isn't the only black American who was killed by police. In fact, black Americans are killed by police at more than twice the rate of white Americans. And Axios Ipsos polled found 77% of whites say they trust local police compared with 36% of African Americans. Do you think there is a problem with systemic racism in policing in the United States? I do not think that we have a systemic racism problem with law enforcement officers across this country. Uh, Do I acknowledge that there are some law enforcement officers that abuse their job? Yes. Uh, And again, we need to hold those accountable. And I would say that there are individuals in every profession across this country that probably abuse their authority and their power. And we need to hold them accountable. Can we do better? Can we do more? Can can we continue to do more in the law enforcement arena, uh, outreach to our communities, particularly those that feel um, slighted or uh, absolutely. Um, and so I think there's always that, things that we can do more. Uh, but again, I think painting law enforcement with a broad brush of systemic racism uh, is really a disservice to the men and women who mm, put on the badge, the, the uniform every day risk their lives every day to protect the American people, to protect them so that they can go to school, they can have a business uh, and come home safe to their families. So I think we need to keep that in mind as well. It's always fascinating to me to hear people make this argument. There, there's so much resistance yeah. from white people in particular about 
discussing systemic racism. It's something they are uncomfortable with admitting. And I'm not sure what motivates that. I don't know if because admitting there is systemic racism then implicates them in upholding that system and and they know that they are doing something wrong or they're not doing enough. I, I think certainly that's part of it with, with these two clips because they are they are heading they're not just a cog in the machine of the system. They are directing how policy operates within that system of oppression and racism. Right. And I wonder if maybe it's that they then feel that that's the only reason they're in their position is because they have benefited from a system of racism yeah. that has helped them get to their position. I mean, I'm, I'm just trying to figure out what it is aside from just racism, that is yeah. <laughs> creating this problem for people discussing systemic racism and, and the issues in our institutions in this country. It is fascinating to me that he, with a straight face, can go on TV and say, no, there's no systemic racism in policing. Apparently, it's just a coincidence that, that, that unarmed black men have a four to five times greater chance of dying at the hands of police than whites. It's just coincidental that for year over year over year and decade over decade, blacks have had a worse hand of it in, in, in the course of dealing with police than whites. An overwhelmingly worse situation. It's just coincidence, everybody. It's not systemic racism. Come on. And then the other clip is Los Angeles police chief, and he's apologized for this, of course. But apology, again, it rings hollow when you're so emphatic in what you say. Like the Drew Brees thing. He's had all kinds of time to, to noodle this and think about it. And he says, I will never agree, blah, blah, blah. Listen to Michael Moore saying that the blood of George Floyd, his death, is just as much on the hands of the protesters than the cops who fucking killed him. So what that tells me is that two things. We didn't have protests last night. We had criminal acts. We didn't have people mourning the death of this man, George Floyd. We had people capitalizing. His death is on their hands as much as it is those officers. And that is a strong statement. But I must say that this civil unrest that we're in the midst of, we must turn a corner from, from people who are, we're, who are involved in violence, people who are involved in preying upon others. So this is another instance where this dude came out and said that he apologized for misspeaking. Yeah. No, 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 no. I'm, I'm so sick of hearing this. You need to apologize and you need to, I want, I want to hear details, right? Yeah, I, I really you, want you to marinate in yeah. what you said. And I want you to really dig into why it's a problem, why you said it, why you're apologizing now, because we all know the only reason you're apologizing is that you stepped in some shit yeah. and you need to clean it up. That's it. Garcetti, by the way, backed him and still backs him after having done this. And so he's apologizing for misspeaking, despite the fact that he said, I know that's a strong statement. 
Right. (laughs) So he heard the words that he said, recognized that they're insane, and doubled down in the the moment. I know it's crazy to say that the protesters, that the death of George Floyd is just as much on the protesters than the cops who murdered him. I know it's crazy to say that, but I'm sticking with it, y'all. Yeah. Come on. Yeah. So misspeaking, not super believable there, guy. Yeah. And and this is it's disappointing when people get to get away with this stuff. Yeah. That would, uh, disappointing. It is it's dangerous especially moving forward in a time where we want to reform things. Things yeah. have to be done differently. And if this is the way that the chief of police of the the, the nation's second largest city, if this is the way he feels, How's that department going to be reformed? Exactly. How does it trickle down? What's the trickle down effect with his ideas? But also, I want to hear him grapple with it. Why is it yeah. wrong? There needs to be like an extensive sit down inter- interview with an act with, with somebody who's not Sean Spicer. <laughs> please. Yeah. Please. And, and answer the question. Well, what was going through your head when you fucking said that? And why is it wrong now? Yeah. Why do Explain you now believe it's, it's wrong? wrong? Yeah. And what is the message to everyone who heard that and agreed with you? What do you say to them? Yeah. How would you encourage them to take a different look at this like you have? Yeah. And look, it's not just this. This isn't an isolated incident of someone who leads a massive department saying stupid things, believing stupid things. Shay, the commissioner of the NYPD, has said, I'm so proud of my officers and their 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 uh, demonstrations of restraint over the last few days. What the fuck? How are we going to reform the army that is the NYPD if their commissioner thinks they're doing a bang-up job, driving cars through crowds of people, shoving little girls down and smashing their heads where they're having seizures in the hospital? How are we going to reform that department? Well, what is what is having restraint, quote-unquote? Is that not killing people? Well, that's that's the other side of the coin, yeah. Exactly. What is restraint? You mean doing your fucking job? Your job is to be restrained, asshole. <sighs> I'm glad we're at the end here. I can't do it. I think you need like a, a, a treat. You mean a big, tall glass of whiskey? <laughs> if that's what a treat is for you, then that sure. sounds like a treat right now. Mm-hmm. Anyway, we are going to leave you there. We've got a few other things. We'll save them for next time. Bill Barr and his semantic bullshit argument on Face the Nation. We'll, we'll, do, a, we'll do an early to midweek show. Cover all that. We want to hear from you. 657-464-7609. Of course, email those voice memos from your smartphone to idoubtit at dollamore.com. We would love to read a rating and review on Apple Podcasts from you if you have the time. Other than that, we'll see you next time. For Brittany Page, I'm Jesse Dollamore. This has been I Doubt It.